This morning's reading comes from Isaiah 23, a prophecy against Tyre. Wail, you ships of Tarshish, for Tyre is destroyed and left without house or harbor. From the land of Cyprus, word has come to them. Be silent, you people of the island, and you merchants of Sidon, whom the seafarers have enriched. On the great waters came the grain of Shehor. The harvest of the Nile was the revenue of Tyre, and she became the marketplace of the nations. Be ashamed, Sidon, and you, fortress of the sea, for the sea has spoken. I have neither been in labor nor given birth. I have neither reared sons nor brought up, daughter, nor, nor brought up daughters. When word comes to Egypt, they will be in anguish at the report from Tyre. Cross over to Tarshish, wail, you people of the island. Is this your city of revelry, the old, old city whose feet have taken her to settle in far-off lands, who planned this against Tyre, the bestower of crowns, whose merchants are princes, whose traders are renowned in the earth? The Lord Almighty planned it to bring down her pride in all her splendor and to humble all who are renowned on the earth. Till your lands as long till your land as they do along the Nile, dear Tarshish, for you no longer have a harbor. The Lord has stretched out his hand over the sea and made his kingdoms tremble. He has given an order concerning Phoenicia and her fortress be destroyed. He said, no more of your reveling, virgin daughter of Sidon, now crushed. Up, cross over to Cyprus, even there you will find no rest. Look at the land of the Babylonians, this people that is now of no account. The Assyrians have made it a place for desert creatures. They raised up their siege towers, they stripped its fortress bare and turned it into ruin. Wail, you ships of Tarshish, your fortress is destroyed. At that time, Tyre will be forgotten for 70 years, the span of a king's life. But at the end of these 70 years, it will happen to Tyre as in the song of the prostitute. Take up the harp, walk through the city, you forgotten prostitute. Play the harp well, sing many a song so that you will be remembered. At the end of 70 years, the Lord will deal with Tyre. She will return she will return to her lucrative prostitution and will ply her trade with all the kingdoms on the face of the earth. Yet her profit and her earnings will be set apart for the Lord. They will not be stored up or hoarded. Her profits will go to those who live before the Lord for abundant food and fine clothes. This is God's word. As we come to look at Tyre, not somewhere is going to be on the green list in the coming few weeks. Let's pray together as we look at this. Our great God and Father, you know our hearts so well. You know what we're like. You know our tendencies, our temptations, our dispositions. You know what we need to hear. Father, please help us understand this ancient text that you speak to us from today. Help us understand it. Help us respond rightly, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, now, quick quiz, quick quiz for you. Everyone loves a quiz, uh, if it's not online. Um, and uh, so, but probably don't shout out the answers because you might get overexcited uh, and do it in a sort of illegal fashion. Um, but I want you, I'm going to show you some pictures and in your heads, or even out loud, I don't care. Um, 
What's the place and the date? Okay, let's, let's have a go. Number one. Have a look. Have a look at the backdrop. Some must know what that is. Yes, very good, Adrian. It is indeed uh, Central Park. Central Park, uh, Manhattan. Uh, that's 1933, so a few years after the Wall Street crash. And um, not looking quite so nice then uh, with the sort of little Hooverville or shanty towns picking up. Amazing, isn't it, to think Central Park, Manhattan, and that's what people were living. But of course, you know, um, what was it o October the uh, 24th, 1929? In five hours, the American people lost as much money as had been spent on the entire First World War. Pfft, five hours gone. Wow. Okay, uh, an easier one perhaps. What about number two? Indeed, people, a long queue. Um, oh, yeah, very good, Johnny. Um, indeed, here we are in, hold a minute. Uh, 2007, was it? 2007, that's it. I was about to, my brain just froze. Uh, September 2007, this is outside the main branch of Northern Rock, Newcastle. And the Bank of England just said, whoops, they're in trouble. Uh, and everyone went, <gasps> give us our money back. And um, of course, they didn't. No financial services protection scheme, or whatever it's called, uh, in those days. And so thousands of people lost their life savings, just wiped out. Amazing, isn't it? 2007, not long ago. Uh, third and last. It's got to be the easiest of them all. Uh, there we are, we're looking at the Royal Exchange and the Bank of England on the, uh, what was it, the 28th of March last year. Not a lot happening. Um, and of course, by that stage, no one had really got themselves up and running. I mean, within a couple of weeks, of course, the Bank of England was working pretty effectively. Bond issued, bond issued, bond issued, bond issued. So what was it in the last 12 months? 360 billion, the government debt just racked up in a year. Well, hey, um, so, but, well, you know what I'm saying. The certainties of money, all of a sudden, every so often, we're reminded not quite so certain. And they're all echoes, or have a similar story to tell, to Isaiah 23. Because in the ancient world, Tyre was the economic center, the commercial center of the known world. And so Isaiah 23, it's a very simple message. Don't put your trust in trade. Mercantilism, commerce, don't put your trust in trade, in commerce, in wealth, because sometimes it just goes. It can go overnight. Very simple, um, Isaiah 23. Now, if you are just joining us, uh, six weeks we're spending just in this, sex, this second section of the book of Isaiah, chapters 13 to uh, 27. Uh, really, at this point, Isaiah is talking to Jerusalem, but he's talking about the nations around them, saying, don't trust in them. So you have various different cycles. So uh, uh, chapters 13 to 20, the first cycle, five prophecies that ends up, don't trust Egypt, don't trust the political alliances. This is the second cycle. We come to the end of it in chapters 21 to 23, another five prophecies, and it concludes with don't trust human commerce. 
So the first cycle, don't put your trust or your confidence in human politics. It's really verses, chapter, uh, chapters 13 to 20. And 21 to 23, don't put your confidence in human commerce. But the whole section is saying, trust me, says the Lord, not the nations around you. Tangentially. Next week, good news, by the way. There's less of the don't trust them, more of the, uh, more of the trust me. Uh, next week, we'll see that. Now, look, before we get into the text, there are two just little qualifications, just so we don't go awry. Isaiah, indeed, the whole Bible, is not saying, not saying there's a problem with wealth per se. In the Old Testament, the great and the good tend to be wealthy. No problem with wealth. Secondly, he's not saying there's a problem with wealth creation. Because as you see, by the time we get to the end of the chapter, Tyre is doing lots of that, and it's good. So there's no problem with wealth, no problem with wealth creation. What is the problem? Trusting it. Having your confidence in commerce, trade, wealth, rather than the Lord. That's the problem. Um, in somewhat unexciting points, I've just summarized what the text says, uh, which is, there's two halves to it, really. The first is the longest. Tyre will be destroyed, verses 1 to 14, and then secondly, the Lord will distribute her profits, 15 to 18. Those are not memorable, but they do summarize what's going on. Okay, let's work through them. The longest time in um, verses 1 to 14, Tyre will be destroyed. You see, the section is uh, sort of bookended. Uh, chapter 23, verse 1, Wail, you ships of Tarshish. Verse 14, Wail, you ships of Tarshish. Now, let's orientate ourselves a little bit. Tyre. Tyre is the dominant trading center in the known world at this stage of history, around 715 BC. So um, everything would travel either through Tyre or her merchants, even if uh, you didn't go through the city itself. They were just the dominant economic power. They didn't bother with conquering territory. They just accumulated wealth. I mean, you build an empire in different ways, I guess. A um, little map, perhaps, uh, just so you know where we are. There we go. So um, there we are on the eastern end of uh, the Med. You can see in red is Tyre, uh, the city itself. Various references in this text to Sidon. Well, that's just the city just along the coast. It's all at this time known as Phoenicia. So Phoenicia is the whole region. So various points of this text, he talks about Tyre and Sidon and Phoenicia. It's all the same thing, really. Tarshish, well, Tarshish is the other end of the Med. It's actually the western side of Spain. Um, and actually, uh, tangentially and only exciting if you like history, uh, in the week actually, uh, the past week, archaeologists have just dug up some stuff in the west of Spain, which demonstrably has come from Solomon. So there was obviously, so the archaeologists saying, oh yeah, there was all this trade. Anyway, um, but the point, the ships of Tarshish, it's not really about a location, it's just a type of ship. You might say, whale, you clippers. And, you know, like the Cutty Sark, it was just the biggest ship of the time. Or in the 21st century, in a slightly unromantic, unpoetic way, you'd say, whale, you vast container ships that get stuck in the Suez Canal, that sort of thing. But vast container ships is not really... But that's what the ships of Tarshish were, okay? It's not the location, that's just what everyone sailed. So whale, all you commercial shippermen... Shippermen? Fishermen, not... No, ship, whatever... Sailors, thank you, that's the word. <laughs> Whale or you commercial sailors, the center of trade is gone. 
So all your ships are just going to rot. That's the point. The two halves really to the section, one to seven, her destruction, the destruction of Tyre causes everyone to wail. Harsh, isn't it, verse one? Wail, you ships of Tarshish. Tyre is destroyed and left without house or harbor. Can you imagine sailors far from home? You hear the news, your city's gone. Can you imagine being overseas? Can you at the moment? Anyway, can you, but if you, and you're overseas and all of a sudden you see on the news, London has gone. And all your, your house, your investments, your money, your bank accounts, that's what they hear. Devastating. It's all gone, but it affects everyone. So verse 2, uh, be silent, you people of the island, and you merchants of Sidon, whom the seafarers have enriched. On the great waters came the grain of the Shehor, the harvest of the Nile was the revenue of Tyre. She became the marketplace of the nations. Everyone else depended upon Tyre. So the Sidon, the city just up the coast, Egypt, everyone trades through Tyre. You know, the, 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 the idiom, do, we st- do people still use it? When Wall Street catches a cold, the world sneezes. Or is it America catches it? I can't quite remember. But it's that sense to it here. If Tyre's in trouble, the whole world economy is gone. That's the point. So uh, Sidon, Egypt, they're they're distraught too. Verse 4, be ashamed, Sidon, and you fortress of the sea, for the sea has spoken. I've neither been in labor nor given birth. I've neither reared sons nor brought up daughters. It's a curious little picture. The picture seems to be that the sea is Tyre's parent, and they're saying, I've got no kids anymore. I've lost everything. Verse 5, Egypt is distraught too. The other side of the Med then, if you go to Spain, verse 6, cross over to Tarshish, wail you people of the island. It's all gone. Verse 7, how can this be? I mean, this is Tyre. Verse 7, is, is, this is, how can this be, this city of reverie, the old, old city whose feet have taken her to settle off in far off lands? How, it's just this sense of bewildered denial, not Tyre. Tyre's like... It's such a, such a, so busy and so much hustle and bustle in Tyre. How can it just become a ghost town? Well, it happens, doesn't it? The, um, until, until 2008, uh, Curzon Street, just north of here, uh, all the, all the um, surveyors, everyone in property, just called Curzon Street, Hedge Fund Alley, because pretty much every... Every office block and every house, all the ones just on Hartford Street as well, they're all just little hedge funds, you know, in, until 2008. And then all of a sudden, pop, 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 they're all gone. All gone. Oh, we were offered office space, you know, that we could never afford because no one to take it. Pop, 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 all gone. All of a sudden, just empty. And uh, the Tuesday lunchtime, Talks, you know, you'd have 40, 50 people, and then overnight down to single digits, pop, 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 because the working population just gone. It happens. All of a sudden, a ghost town, all the restaurants shutting in 2008 because no one to go there. All of a sudden, just a ghost town. Now, look, that was the the global financial crisis. And, well, 10 years later, we can barely remember it. When did Northern Rock go down? I mean, it's just quite hard to remember, isn't it, these dates? The world moves on. But Isaiah is saying, oh, it it can be worse than that. The world economy can collapse, you know. 
But anyway, Tyre's destruction, it causes everyone to wail. And then the 8 to 14, the emphasis here is the destruction was planned by God. Question 8, who planned this? So verse 8, who planned this against Tyre? Look how Tyre is described, the, the bestower of crowns, whose merchants are princes, whose traders are renowned in the earth. Because Tyre is just so hard to resist, that sort of level of commercial financial power. Hard to resist it when there's a dominant power like that. Uh, but even if you, you see it in the world today, countries are not immune to trading pressure. Do you see it was about a couple of weeks ago? Uh, New Zealand. Everyone loves New Zealand. What's not to love? Beautiful people are great. You know, everyone loves New Zealand, and they've got um, super Kiwi extra. Uh, super was it? Was it called? How did it go? Super Kiwi socialistic extra nice Jacinda, um, which they, they put to the Mary Poppins song, which uh, which I think is just great. Uh, she seems delightful as well. Uh, I mean, everyone loves New Zealand, but did you see all the other, the Western powers, the G7, so the e, the EU got involved, and the US, and the UK, and Canada all issued a statement denouncing what they described as genocide of the Uyghurs. And New Zealand debated it in Parliament and said, well, we can't really join in with that because 30% of our trade is with China, so it's just too expensive. Can't upset them. Now, that's just this moment in time, and at other points it would have been the UK and the US exerting trading pressure on countries. Yeah, it's not unique to one nation in the world. But resisting commercial might is hard. Tyre, at this point, was the bestower of crowns, whose merchants are princes. It'll vary which nation has that, that status, that level of influence. Hard to resist. Hard to resist as a nation. Hard to resist as an individual. That's tired. But, but hold on, the question is asked, who planned this? Who planned this destruction, verse 8? Well, the answer is not a secret, verse 9. The Lord Almighty planned it. Okay, another question. Why did God destroy Tyre like this? Verse 9, to bring down her pride in all her splendor and to humble all who are renowned on the earth. All of a sudden, the pride gone. Do you remember, I mean, you, you, no one remembers all these things, but the, uh, the largest bank in Mayfair before up to 2008 was um, the Icelandic bank, Reichs, whatever it was, Reichsvike or whatever, you know, this, it's like Iceland had this vast banking industry, and you just think, oh, good for them, and then overnight, completely gone. The pride of a nation crushed. Of course, it happened. It's not just nations he's talking about here. I guess in the 21st century, it's more multinationals and things like that, isn't it? Do you, do you, are you reading? Do you read anything in the week? Um, super yachts are in the papers this week because did you see Jeff Bezos has got this vast new um, super yacht, the largest thing floating around, with three masts on it because um, you know it's good to be eco-friendly. You know, I'm a billy, 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 billionaire. And, uh, but hey, look, I'm eco-friendly, so I, I, have, I, I travel under sail. But then, of course, you know, it's got this support vessel that goes along with it. It's all, it's all diesel-driven, so the helicopters can land on it. And you just think that is, you know, that's just the, 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 the crassest sort of virtue signaling out, isn't it? It's just bonkers. Um, but hey, look, no, I'm so eco-friendly. Um, yeah, they'll be humbled. 
The Lord Almighty planned it to bring down her pride and all her splendor and to humble all who are renowned on the earth. Don't be proud about your wealth, says Isaiah. Verse 10, a bit tricky to understand. I, I think the point here is, is actually just Tarshish would have to get a new job. Uh, till your land, as, you, as they do along the Nile, door to Tarshish, you no longer have a harbour. There's nothing to do for these traders anymore. Verse 11, back to the point. It's the Lord's work. The Lord has stretched out his hand over the sea and made its kingdoms tremble. He's done it. He's given an order concerning Phoenicia that her fortresses be destroyed. He said, no more. No more of this. No more of your reveling. No more parties for you, virgin daughter of Sidon. Up, cross over to Cyprus, you'll find no rest, no reveling, no rest. Verse 13, okay, here's a bit more detail about how it's happened. Look at the land of the Babylonians, this people that are now of no account. The Assyrians have made it a place for... Look, Tyre, look at Babylon... Assyria, this is the 8th century, Assyria has just smashed Babylon and destroyed them. And that's going to happen to you, Tyre. That's going to happen to you. So wail. Wail, you ships of Tarshish. Your fortress is destroyed. Now, who's being addressed here? Well, in one sense, it's Tyre. It's the, the, the nations that don't believe in God. And no doubt Isaiah would say to the world of the 21st century, don't put your trust in wealth, don't put your trust in trade. Nothing wrong with creating it, but so often wealth says, I don't need God, I have money. But yet, of course, we need to remember Isaiah is preaching this to God's people. He's preaching it to Israel, Judah. And saying to God's people, don't you trust in trade? So this is a message for you and me if we're Christians. And what are we meant to do with it? Well, let me just think of it in two different ways. Uh, first, uh, perhaps as a church, there's a danger here. I'm a complete eel. I'm a complete eel here. But as a church, uh, as Mike stands up and wells up and says, it's May. And we're on track to hit our budget. Now, if you're new here, you think, why is he, why, why is he so emotional about that? Because we never, we never look like we're going to hit our budget in May. Normally, May is, oh my goodness, we're so far short of reaching our budget. How on earth are we ever going to do it? And the staff spend days sort of praying and fasting. And, how we, and sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. May, to be projecting that we hit our budget, we have never been in that position in 20 years as a church, I don't think. And so we must give thanks and say, Lord, that's amazing. But there's a little Eeyore in me that says, was well, that good for the church? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, maybe we become complacent um, and think, well, we have people in industries and the trade is fine and salaries are fine and the bonus season is fine. We're fine. Now, look, I need to repent of being an eel. I just let me confess that. I probably do uh, in regard to such things. But we must give thanks and say, Lord, it can go like that. We're dependent upon you for tomorrow. We must do that. We must do that. What about personally for you and me? If I'm honest, I don't think, I've never thought of myself as particularly materialistic or, you know, 
for most of life, have lived without any significant savings, possibly to the point of naivety at times. But that's been okay. And but I find I get a bit older, and I find acutely this year my parents are both dead. I do start to think, oh yeah, I should probably plan a bit more for the future. Plan a bit. Pensions, they're important, aren't they? No, they are important. And I think I've been a bit naive on such things. Let me not commend naivety to you. But all of a sudden, this sort of emotional change, I feel it. I feel it. Um, and so uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had lunch with a friend, an old friend. He's, he's clever and has set up an investment firm and made plenty of money. And I said, look, can I just ask for some, you know, I've, here's what we've done. And he sort of said, well... Yeah, you haven't done that very well. Um, you haven't planned particularly well, but don't panic, you know. Do, 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 do. Um, to be honest, though, most people care far too much about this. And, you know, I have all sorts of clients visiting. What happens if? What happens if? What happens if? You know, what happens if there is another financial crisis? Anything I always say, to be honest, it is a massive, massive financial crisis. And the FTSE and the S&P, and they all go to the wall. We will not be worrying about our pensions. We'll be worrying about World War III. So don't worry about it. Oh, you know, he's a non-Christian mate who works in, in the city. I just thought, this is remarkably sane advice, isn't it? You really can worry too much. But how can you tell? How can you tell if you're trusting in trade and wealth? I guess if you worry about it too much if that's what you think keeps you safe. But Tyre will be destroyed. So don't put your trust in trade, in the price or the value of equities. Put your trust in the Lord. But more positively, the Lord will distribute her profits. Uh, briefly, verses 15 to 18. It's not the end for Tyre. So there's a future for Tyre. Verse 15, at, at that time, Tyre will be forgotten for 70 years, as a classic biblical period of judgment, uh, the span of a king's life. But at the end of these 70 years, it will happen to Tyre, as in the song of the prostitute. Um, and you get this, it's quite hard to translate. It's a sort of ditty. It's a sort of children's ditty. Take up a harp, walk through the city, you forgotten prostitute. Play the harp well, sing many a song, so that you'll be remembered. It's a sort of funny, it's a sort of comedic ditty. So I don't think he's actually being negative in the picture of, a, of, in any sense, of a prostitute. I think he's just saying, verse 17, at the end of 70 years, the Lord will deal with Tyre. She'll return to her lucrative prostitution. I think he's just saying, look, everyone has benefited from Tyre. She's slept with many commercial trading partners and enriched them all. And Tyre will go back to sleeping with many partners and enriching them all. It's sort of I think it's actually a positive picture here. It's meant to be. But verse 17, she'll return to her lucrative trade and will ply her trade with all the kingdoms on the face of the earth. Why do I think it's a sort of positive picture? Because of what happens, verse 18. Three things. This time round, it's not just going back to what was going on before. It's different. Verse 18, one, her profit and her earnings will be set apart for the Lord. Holy to him. Secondly, these prophets will not be stored up or hoarded. It's not selfish. Thirdly, her prophets will go to those who live before the Lord for abundant food and fine clothes. 
So verse 18, you, you either say, and I don't think it particularly matters, you either say, here's a picture of these once upon a time selfish traders of Tyre now becoming believers in the Lord and serving him. Could be that. Or, possibly more likely, I don't know, or it's a bit like as if the Lord says to Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan, to Citibank and Credit Suisse, all your profits of the last decades, congratulations, I'll have them all and give them to my people and you'll be left with nothing. The point is, wealth is the gift of God and at some point he takes it all back. Wealth is the gift of God and at some point he says, all back to me now and I'll redistribute it to those who deserve it. That's the point. It's very similar to the picture at the end of the Bible, it seems to me. And uh, if we've got it, Revelation 21. Right at the end of history, here's the picture. The nations will walk by light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it on that day. So excuse me, on, that, on no day will its gates ever be shut, for there'll be no night there. The glory and the honor of the nations will be brought into it. The Lord is the giver of wealth. He'll take it all back. It all goes back to him. And he gives it to his people as a reward. You may have a super yacht in this life. I'm not sure anyone here does, but if you do, feel free to invite me. You may have a super yacht in this life, but the Lord will take it back. And then what have you got? All that matters in the end is, do you hear, well done, good and faithful servant? That's what matters. All the wealth created across the whole of history, be it Tyre in the 8th century or the city of London in the 21st century, it all returns to the Lord. And if Tyre feels a bit distant, too far in the past, then listen to Jesus' words to a crowd gathered in the 1st century. Because he says, will you trust me? So Jesus says, Luke chapter 10, maybe, Luke chapter 10, woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. I'd be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than you. These people denounced in Isaiah 23, Jesus says, yeah, yeah, they, they'll, they'll get what's coming to them. But what about you? What do you do with my claims? What do you do? And so for you and me in the end, it's will we trust in Jesus or do we trust in trade? Not just for our salvation fundamentally, but for those of us who are Christians, do we trust him for our security? Do we trust share prices? for our safety? Where is our confidence? So I learned that the UK financial world has a risk system. Most of you probably know this. That uh, from seven to one, seven are risky investments, but you might make a lot of money. One, a very low risk, but you probably won't make much. Uh, now you're obliged to uh, put a number upon your financial products as a, a fairly recent thing. But of course, Jesus says, if you invest in me, the risk is zero, 
and the returns are beyond anything you can dream of. So that's where you want to invest in Jesus. Don't trust in trade, wealth, security, trust in him. And if we talk about this afterwards, I don't know, I need some help as well. How can you tell, honestly, how do you demonstrate, honestly, where your trust is? It's hard, isn't it? Let's chat about it. Let's help one another. Let's pray. Our great God and Father, thank you for honesty, realism in your word. And here is a truth that we both know, and it's obvious to us, and yet ignore functionally sometimes. We know that money's fickle. We know that it can disappear. We know that the value of things can go up as well as go down. We know that. We know that it can disappear overnight, as it has done at various points in history. And yet we think it makes us safe. Father, would we recognize the folly of that position? And would we trust in you? Would we invest in Christ, where the risk is zero and the returns are phenomenal? We do pray it in his name. Amen.